Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. Our series on the book of James, which we've called Walk This Way, continues today as we are joined by our family life pastor, the Reverend Jamie Kendrew. Pastor Jamie will be preaching on James chapter 3, specifically speaking about the taming of the tongue. Here he is with this week's message. Thank you for listening. Well, good morning, church. My name is Pastor Jamie Kendrew, and it's a blessing to be here with you. It's a convicting sermon to give. This is one of those sermons that um, tends to be one of those like easy sermons because it really preaches itself. Um, but in my heart, I'm putting it off all week because I don't want to face the realities uh, that I have to look at when I look at this passage of, of Scripture. Because you see, this morning in the book of James chapter 3, we're talking about our tongues. We're talking about the language we use, the way we speak, um, and it can be a very convicting thing, can it? Have you ever said anything that you immediately regretted? Have you ever been in the grocery store and touched a stranger's belly and said, when's the baby due, and she punches you in the face? We've had those moments, haven't we, church? We're lying if we're sitting there saying we haven't. Because this little thing inside of our mouths can get us into big trouble. It has been said that there has been no more divisive weapon ever crafted by the enemy than that of the human tongue. It is sharper than any sword and it is more devastating than any bomb that can be created. And I agree with it. Because our tongues, our mouths can get us into some serious trouble. When we look throughout history, you can see the way the development of the human tongue has really changed because I think sometimes when we read the passage we're about to look at, we think as Christians that, you know, the Bible must really only mean the words I speak to somebody. But as Americans, celebrating America's birthday, we love our free speech, don't we? We love being able to say whatever it is we want to say, don't we? Not everything we say is worth saying. You know, as we look at history, we see how the spoken language was where this all originated. And we went from spoken language to written language. And when we began to write our language down, the accountability for the things that we say moved from not just the way we speak, but from the way we write. And then as written language kind of metamorphosized, we got the radio, And now we can broadcast these things that we speak. And then we move from the radio uh, to the television. And now we have this whole new venue of television where we can say things. And we've watched uh, over the past 20, 30 years as our society has really um, degenerated into a cesspool because we are exposed to everything that everybody wants to say. And now you look at television and that's just one media. You now have the internet. And with the internet, I have access to more knowledge and wisdom and folly than the whole day of history combined. And what's very scary to me as a pastor is now with the internet, we have this thing called social media, Facebook. And it breaks my heart as a pastor because I watch as so many of us as Christians say things on Facebook or these other social medias that we don't feel like we're necessarily accountable for. This past week, I had a horrifying experience. I had to call my mother out on something. She's a a Facebook junkie, and she loves to post things. And she had this post on her wall that said, if you really love Jesus, you won't be ashamed to put him on your Facebook wall. 
Now, I agree with the statement of what's being said. The problem was it wasn't a picture of Jesus. It was a picture of Obi-Wan Kenobi. You can laugh at that. And my point with that is, is we have to be responsible for the things we put out there, whether it's on our social media, whether we say it, whether we write it in literature, we are accountable for it. And I had to say to her lovingly, Mom, somebody's making a joke out of you and out of Christ. And if we're not careful with what we promote, with what we say, we may actually be promoting something other than what we say we are. Does this make sense? So let me tell you, during this political season, I've never been more embarrassed of the church. The way that Christians would attack one another publicly. In this social media generation, I've been embarrassed because I've watched as couples have taken their fights from inside the home and they publicly blasted their spouse online and they began to build lines in the sand and armies of who's right and who's wrong. We're accountable for the things that we say. We're accountable for the way we speak to one another. And listen to me, church, as believers in God and believers in Jesus Christ, we have a responsibility to speak truth in love. We have a responsibility to when we're admonishing or coming down on somebody to do so lovingly, with respect. So the question I have for us this morning is, do we really have an issue with the tongue or is our true issue really that of the heart? Because you see, in the book of James, he's reminding us through the first two chapters that we are to be people who are to persevere in times of trouble. He's reminding us that we're to embrace truth, that we're not just supposed to talk about our faith, but we're to live out our faith and do our faith. And a couple of times before we come to this passage, James even says to us, be slow to speak and quick to listen. Because you see, the people of this, of, of this time whom he's writing to, kind of like the people of today, have a problem with speaking a little sooner than they probably should. Have you ever had that happen to you? Where you've put your foot in your mouth or said something and then immediately you wish you could take it back? But the truth is, church, and we know this, that once we launch those words from our mouths, they're out there. They can come back to haunt us. They can come back to do damage. And so as Christians, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to be very aware of the way we speak and what we are speaking. As Christians, we are called to speak righteously. You know, I, I play a lot of hockey, and I, I'm involved in a lot of youth sports and adult sports, and, and I have something I call the, the great hockey salvation that takes place. See, I'll play these sports with these guys, and the language that comes out of their mouths and the things that are said around me it would make a sailor blush. But what frustrates me is somewhere along the line, someone mentions that I'm a pastor, and all of a sudden, everybody's language becomes crisp and golden, And I want to say this to you right now. Your salvation, your relationship with the Lord does not depend on what I think about your language. Do you hear me? 
It doesn't matter what Pastor John, Pastor Jared, Pastor Barry, Pastor anybody thinks about your language. What matters is the heart that you have for God. And if you're living a life in such a way that you have one set of language here and one set of language in front of the preacher, you don't have a tongue issue, you have a heart issue. Because you're not living the same consistent lifestyle across the board. And what James is calling us to in this entire book is to be the people of God all the time, everywhere. And if I can't go and read your Facebook post because you would be embarrassed, then it shouldn't be there. Because it doesn't matter what this guy thinks, it matters what Jesus thinks. It matters what God thinks. So don't clean your language up. Don't clean yourself up on account of me because that's just like hiding your wound from a doctor. I have more respect for somebody that will swear around me than someone who will fake that they don't when I'm not there. Does that make sense? Be who you are because then at least we have somewhere to go. And as the people of God, you are called to a righteousness. You are called to be set apart. You are called to look different. Listen, the last thing that this culture needs, this last thing that the society that we live in needs, is more of itself. Don't try to be a Christian who fits in. Be a Christian. Because this society, this culture, the people in need of the Lord, they need to see healthy, godly examples of what this is supposed to be like. Not a Christian who is hip and cool and swears just like me. Set yourself apart, church. Be holy, be righteous, because our tongue is a very dangerous thing. I should probably start my sermon, huh? You know, when we look at this chapter three in the book of James, and I'm gonna ask you to turn there with me now, we do see something very incredible. And, and we're reminded, and I want to remind us of something that Jesus Christ said in the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to come back to this later. But Jesus reminds us that out of, out of the things that come out of our mouths, they don't come just from our tongue, but they come from our heart. And so as we're going through this, I want you to be thinking about where is my heart Am I able to be the same person all the time? Or do I praise God with one voice and curse man with another? You see, Jesus said, out of the heart, uh, the mouth speaks. And so do we have a heart that is welling up with life? Or do we have a heart that is welling up with death? Because the reality is, church, hear me out. It can't be both. You're either for him or against him. And we've got some serious decisions to make and serious commitments to honor. I mean, God's grace and mercy can cover all of this, but we as the people of God need to be striving to walk the way that James is commanding us to. So if you have your Bibles, we're in chapter three. I want to read this to you. Up to this point, we see some major characteristics. We talked about that earlier. And now today, James is addressing the issue of the tongue. The people that he's writing this letter to, some of them are really into wanting to be teachers. They're wanting to have the prestige and fame and power that comes with being teachers then. And he's reminding them in this passage that, listen, you're going to be held accountable for everything that you say. But as a teacher, as someone who's instructed with the word of God, you're going to be held doubly accountable for the things that you're saying. And he tells the people, don't every one of you assume that you're supposed to be a teacher. Because there's a weight that comes with that. And I'm going to tell you, we as pastors, we feel that weight every time we step into this pulpit. 
We study and pour over the scriptures and we study commentaries and we, we research this stuff because we want to make sure that we're not saying the right thing for your sake, but we're saying the right thing for God's sake. Because we will be accountable for the things that we teach to you. As believers, we're going to be accountable for the things that we say to you, just as you're going to be accountable for the things that you say to one another and the things that we say to those outside of the church. It says this, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways, and if anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. He moves on to say this, When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take a ship, for example, and although they are so large and so driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants them to go. So as we look through this passage, we really see these six illustrations that we're about to go through broken down into three areas of power of the tongue. The first area of power I want to talk about is what we just read there, and that's the power to direct. As the people of God, 1 Peter 4.11 tells us that when we speak, we are speaking as ones as if we are speaking the very words of God. Think of that. God has put trust and faith into you to carry this gospel message that when you speak, you're an ambassador and a representative of God. The things that you say, the things that you talk about are going to direct people in a life-changing way, whether good or bad. And so the question I have for us this morning, church, or are we like a horse with the bit in the mouth in the hands of a master rider? Are we a ship in the hands of a master captain? Because you see, the horse has to work against his wild nature. The ship has to work against opposing forces in the water. See, the water is trying to stop the boat. It's trying to stop the ship. But as the rudder steers that ship in the hands of a noble captain, it can go in the direction that it's called to. Both of these examples have to operate against opposing forces. And listen to me, church. When it comes to taming our tongue, when it comes to speaking words of life, we have to fight our broken, sinful nature. Because I'm going to tell you right now, there's a lot of things on Facebook I would really like to say. There's a lot of comments I would really like to make to a lot of people. But God needs to be in control of what is said from here because I have to remember that my words, your words, our words, they direct people in a life-changing way. And so when you're at work, when you're at home, grandmother, parents, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, do you realize your words, one word can change the way a student, a, a child thinks about the rest of their future? I was on a fishing trip a couple of weeks ago with a bunch of uh, men from this church. And one of the things we did on this trip, it was, it was a blessing, is we did what we called the Proud Dad Award. And we stood all the young men who were up on the trip, and each dad had a medal. And in that moment, the father would stand up, and he would put the medal on his kid, and he would say affirming things about his son. You are a man of God, and I love the man that he is turning you into. And I'm going to tell you right now, it was a beautiful moment where a cabin full of men were weeping. 
Because words of affirmation, words coming from from God can be a blessing. They can build us up and they can direct us. And I'd like to think that the young men that had their fathers testify to how they saw God growing in them, that changed those young men. It influenced them for good. It built them up in life. It helped take the rudder and steer those boats into a healthy direction. And so the question I have for you, are you directing people in a healthy way? with the words that you speak. The second thing that we come to in this chapter in James is James reminds us that not only do we have the power to direct, but our tongues have the power to destroy. Because where I saw fathers lifting their sons up, when I was in youth ministry all too often, I would see fathers tearing their sons down. And some of you, when I say that, you're thinking of a particular instance in your past and in your childhood where one thing was said to you and it forever changed you. I want to tell you right now, the grace and the mercy of Jesus can cover that. You need to heal from that and you need to move on. But as believers in Christ, we cannot use our words to destroy. In verses 5 through 8, it says these words. It says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it, is a, it makes great boasts. And consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person and sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. He then says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea being tamed and having been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. The fire can consume. The fire will destroy. Look at what happened in Gatlinburg. A couple of kids having a campfire irresponsibly left it for a few minutes in the entire amusement park. The entire town is gone. The words that you speak carry weight. Are you using them for destruction? Are they filled with poison? Because he's going to tell us in a moment here that the only place that those fires can be ignited from are from the pits of hell. Are you directing people in paths of righteousness in life? Or are we tearing people down with fire? You know, it's interesting because fire, when controlled, can provide life, it can provide heat, it can provide food, it can provide warmth, it can bring healing actually. But when it's out of control, it is nothing but death and destruction. The same with the wild animals. When a wild animal is controlled, it can become a helpmate in work. But when it's running wild and doing what its, its human or its earthly nature calls it to, It just runs wild and does destruction and damages. So are we guiding people or are we destroying people? You see, in Proverbs 18.4, there's a great phrase that says, the mouth of of the righteous man is a wellspring of life. And as believers in God, we are called to speak life, not death. And when we as believers speak life, we can bring life. We can bear fruit. And when we look at the closing of this passage, in verses 9 through 12, James tells us this. He says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men. Listen to me. You cannot speak one language and both curse men and praise God. 
The word tells us if we hate a brother in our heart, we're sinning against God. And we as believers have to have one vocabulary. We have to have one language that we speak. And is it the language of life? Is it a language that delights the Lord? Or is it a salty death language? He goes on to say this, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers. This should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salty spring produce fresh water. Listen to me. When we're living lives of doubled standards, we have a bigger issue going on than our tongue because our heart is in a corrupt place. You following me? If we are trees planted by living waters, as the, as the book of Psalms says, then we will produce fruit. There will be evidence of what God is doing. But listen to me, church. We can pretend and try and be good on Sundays, but God doesn't just see your Sundays. God sees every day. He sees your heart. He wants you to speak in such a way that he can find joy and delight in that. Remember, he's entrusted you with the words of God. Demonstrate that you can handle that. Demonstrate that you are trustworthy in that. Speak life, not death. Because you see, we cannot be both. We can't be both. Maybe you're sitting there this morning and you're feeling convicted and saying, well, God, that is my life. And I would challenge you, you need to pray to God. Because listen, this life is unlivable. This life is undoable unless you have Jesus in it. When we as Christians have to guard our tongue, when we have to slow ourselves down and speak second and listen first, we can only do that through the power that Jesus Christ provides to us. So on a daily basis, if we want to be people who speak life and bring delight to the ears of the Lord, on a daily basis, we have to go to the Lord in his word and in prayer, and we have to ask him for the strength to be people who speak pure. Because there's days, folks, I want to say some things. And there's days where we fight against our human nature. There's times where we want to explode, and sometimes we may even be right for doing so. And there's times where we're called to speak hard love. But listen, as long as we're doing that with a heart that is surrendered to God, there is righteous indignation. There is time to flip over the tables. There is time to speak boldly and to proclaim But the observation I have of myself, and thanks to social media, so many of us, is oftentimes our fury and our angry words do not come out in a delightful way. In fact, a lot of times they're serving ourselves instead of serving others or serving God. So do we delight the Lord with our language? Do we destroy with our language, with our tongue? Or do we direct people towards a throne of grace. You know, this morning I want to leave you with these words from Jesus Christ from that sermon he gave. In Luke 6, verse 45, it says this, a good man brings good things out of good that is stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Church, we don't have a problem with our tongue. What we have are problems with our hearts. And I leave you with this question this morning. 
Is your heart surrendered to the anger and bitterness of this world? Or is your heart surrendered to the delight and the joy that comes through having a relationship with Jesus Christ? You can be set free from the bondage that the tongue brings because Jesus loves you. Maybe this morning he's convicting you. Well, I will encourage you to come up and pray with someone following the service. Come up and talk to one of our pastors over here because they would love to have a conversation with you about what it means to find freedom in Christ. Would you pray with me? God, we love you. We thank you so much for the gift of the tongue, as much of a curse as it is, Lord. Help us to guide it and to direct it. Help us to have control over it. But God, we recognize the only way that we can do that is by trusting fully in you and by going back to you as the source of life. In order for us to produce fruit that comes from that flowing water, God, we've got to be tapped into you. So give us the strength to do so. Forgive us where we need it. In your name we pray. Amen.